All right. Well, it's good to be back again after uh, three weeks in the Great North, uh, breathing in smoke all the time from Canadian wildfires. Um, people ask me how the weather was. It was nice and cool. I got to pull out my sweatshirts again, but uh, there was one morning it was so bad. We were just like, I, I needed an air filter. Uh, I wanted a mask, but I needed like one of those air filter masks because the smoke was just so bad we couldn't breathe. Um, but it's good to be back, and it's good to be back and see everything green and alive again. And uh, it's wonderful, and it's good, good to see everyone. And welcome back, everyone, again, who's watching online. It's good to have you with us. All right. Well, we'll get started today. Uh, 2019, tell you a little story. 2019, gosh, feels so long ago. It was only two years. Christy and I were invited to a wedding uh, down in Sonoida. It was one of those ranch weddings where I should say ranch, like the, I don't think there were any actual cattle there anymore. It was a ranch. They probably make more off the wedding, but that's where it was. So down in Sonoida, uh, this was uh, somebody that we'd known for a few years here in Tucson and hadn't seen for a long time. Uh, she was getting remarried and I was really kind of honored to get the invite because hadn't seen her for a long time and you know you kind of drift away and you kind of figure you just kind of everyone's gone their own way and then suddenly you get this invite to the wedding and you're like wow I, I guess I meant more than I thought I did so I'll have to make a point of making it to this right uh, and so we got our plans ready we're ready to go to the wedding and then on that exact same day, one of Christie's relatives decided she was going to get married. Uh, she clearly wasn't asking us about our schedule before planning that. Um, so we had to hatch this plan that we would split. She'd go to one, Christie would go to one wedding, I'd go to the other. Uh, and I'd go by myself because, you know, I, I didn't know the groom, I didn't know his family, but I'm a pastor, I'm used to kind of being in groups of people. I thought uh, this could be kind of interesting. Uh, the going where the only people I know is the bride and her teenage kids who weren't teenagers when I was teaching them uh, Sunday school years ago. So I thought, all right, let's, let's, see, let's see how this goes, right? Let's just see how this goes. Um, and it, it was another one of those experiences uh, that reminded me what it's like to be the lone person, the lone stranger at somebody else's party. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been in that position, uh, where you get, you're going to something and everybody knows each other and you're the one who they don't know. Uh, and uh, you, you, you know, you gotta strike up a conversation with people when you're in those positions, right? They don't come to you. It's sort of a weird human nature thing. They see the odd person out and then they just kind of move on like you're not even there. So you gotta strike it up. So I said, okay, the, 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 we'll see how this goes. So um, how did it go? Well, for the record, it really wasn't too bad. Uh, I ended up at a table with people who've not only known each other for decades, uh, the guys served in combat together in Desert Storm, uh, and they knew, they, so they knew each other before even me, and then they like set each other up with, and were at each other's weddings, and so, and then there was me. So I wasn't at all the odd man out, but then they looked at me like, you know, like I was strange, like how would this guy be here if he's not, uh, you know, what's he doing here by himself? And I said, yeah, I, I know the bride. When you walk into a situation like that, when you walk into a room uh, where you're the only person, it's kind of interesting too, because I like to kind of get a feel of the room, a feel. It's real subjective, kind of mushy. I, I don't know how to like quantify it, but there's a feel when you walk in the room. There's kind of a mood, 
an atmosphere, and you can instinctively sense it. Uh, are the people really friendly? Uh, are they really welcoming? Are they kind of clicky? Uh, do they really want to meet new people, or are they kind of happy with themselves? Uh, or, uh, in a negative way, is there some sort of infighting going on? Is there some subterfuge or dynamics happening? You know, I've found, amazingly, uh, that over the years my instincts have been right more often than they've been wrong on this. Uh, I can't often peg what it is. That usually takes some homework. But my instincts are pr usually pretty right that there's something going on. Maybe it's because we're evolved to try to uh, sense danger or something like that. Um, sometimes I'm wrong, but I don't think most of the time, I think most of the time most of us are right on this. Uh, our instincts are pretty good. Because I believe we reflect a lot about uh, who we are and how we interact with each other in a group. We don't realize it consciously. Uh, you know, we may consciously think we are the friendliest group of people who's ever existed and not consciously notice the new people we're not being friendly with, right? If you go and you, you survey churches, you know, I could guarantee, I'd be willing to wage money. You just pick a church dot on the map. I'd drop it there. You know, first church of something, 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 Buckyburgville or whatever. And I guarantee you, if you went around and asked them, what is your greatest quality at First Church of Buckyville, they would say, we're a friendly church. We're really friendly. Uh, I think some, somebody did a hard survey that showed like 95% of churches rate themselves as very friendly. Then they send in a new person to check, and they come back with something like 15% of the of the new people surveyed that the church was really friendly. There's a huge disconnect there, right? Well, well what, what happens? What's going on? Well, the people in the church know each other. They're already friends. Of course they're friendly, right? And, and so a new person comes in, and they kind of smell these things out, right? Uh, and so I, you know, we give off in many ways with verbal and nonverbal cues what kind of a group we are, what kind of dynamics we have, uh, if it's a family or a job or a church that's got underlying tensions or conflicts or sort of jealousies, you can often feel that too, all right? You know, maybe you can't name it, but you can feel it in the room somehow. You know, I remember some of these situations being at a church and these two women just never talked with each other and I couldn't figure out why because it wasn't that big of a church, right? It was a everybody should know everybody church and those two never talked and I discovered there was a dispute over who got uh, to select which high school musical the local school was going to do in 1978. I mean, this was the late 90s, but you're already 20 years past then. All the people who didn't get the spot, or you know, didn't get, get the pass or whatever, they were already out of high school. And, uh, but there was a tension. You could kind of feel it, right? It was in the air. You know? And uh, so I think we all, I think we all like to think of ourselves as friendly and welcoming. We all like to think that we're being inclusive. And I think that says a lot about how we want to be. That's a good self-image to have. But isn't it amazing in every group that wants to think that and strives for that, how hard it is in any group of human beings to actually create that? You know, how few places in life actually are these kind of uh, warm, inclusive, welcoming kind of places. And, you know, why is it? 
And that's the other question I ask is, why is it? Why is it that it seems so hard often to create that kind of community? And what's the difference? Well, biblically, we do have some guidance for creating a new community. And actually we get a lot of it in the New Testament because in the New Testament, the early church is forming and all these people are coming together and they're not doing it always very well. And so there's lots and lots of lessons in the New Testament about how to be a good community. Um, and, the, and so we know some of the attitudes, the values, the behaviors that create the good vibe. Let's look at Ephesians 4. Uh, this was in our reading today. Ephesians 4, uh, starting at verse 1. We'll just look at these three verses. It says, I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So this is about behavior, uh, maybe, more like, maybe a little bit more like attitudes or, or postures. They're individual things, right? They're things we work on personally, things I work on myself, and when we all work on them, it makes the community better. If you break down verse 2 a little bit, you can kind of see there's four main things that it says here, make for Christian community. Humility, gentleness, patience, and bearing in love. I love the third one, bearing in love. It's not just love, it's bearing in love. Practice these things, young apprentice, and you too will have the happy church. But what do you notice about these? They're all kind of, I notice they're all kind of soft things. I mean, none of them involve winning or conquering or being the fittest or the strongest or the bestest or being the most right. It's all about the posture we take with each other. Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing in love. Do these things, each of you, and the community will be better off. These are the ways that prevent fights and drama as we each do them, because when you do them, then things improve. You know, think of all the times just to take something like humility, for example. Think of all the times you've been at, say, work, and there was a fight about something. And, and how many times, you know, did it happen where each side said, you know, I might not be right. I think I'm right, but I might not be right. I guess that's a possibility. So I'm going to sit down and listen to this person uh, with an open mind uh, because I might need to change my mind. And this person... Uh, might have an answer that I don't have. How many times has that actually happened? I mean, I suppose you could do that, and sometimes it would go nowhere, right? You sit down, you say, I'm going to sit down with an open mind. The other person doesn't have an open mind. Okay. Uh, they could just double down. I'm sure it happens. But if everyone had an attitude of humility that said, I think I'm right on this, but I could be wrong... I think I know the answer, but just in case, let's consider that Bill in accounting, even though I don't particularly like him, he might have some truth. How many fights would be prevented? And the same way with gentleness. You know, if you had a disagreement, but you decided to not go full on, let's stick it to him and win, 
but instead you tried to find the least harsh way of dealing with it, wouldn't things go better? When you're mad at someone in the family, is it better to go soft or better to go hard? Is it better to say, you know, hey, uh, you know, when you said that, it was really hurtful. Instead of getting mad and unloading and you're a mean and awful person and these are the ten things that bother me and I've been meaning to say them, boom, 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 boom. <coughs> the second one might make you feel better in the moment, but will it make a better family? Will it make your community better to win and prove your point? Or will it make the community better to try to go light, to go soft on the other person so they can save some face and maybe quietly admit they're wrong so you can move on? Because when you conquer, when you punish, when you win, when you stick it to them, you guarantee with almost mathematical certainty that that person will not admit wrongdoing, but will double down and fight and remember it and sharpen their mental swords for the chance when they can stab you back. We've all been in places that work like this, where there's all these sort of passive-aggressive vendettas under the surface, right? Old grievances and old scores, and, and Eric talks about, you know, it, it, it may look nice on the surface, but underneath, you realize this is a PBS series where they're all wealthy and sitting at a beautiful English mansion, dressed really nicely with beautiful accoutrements, and everybody around the table is dropping some very carefully worded, subtle but not so subtle hint about somebody else's scandal, right? Oh, Charles, that does look like a beautiful duck. I wonder if, so, I wonder if you were able to shoot it. Hmm? And he goes, well, oh, I don't know. Sophie, did Charles shoot it or was that your other boyfriend? Hmm? Well, I don't know. See, I, I don't know if that's exactly how English shows go. I know that I've been to more than one fancy meal where that's what people are doing. And, uh, uh, you know, but that, that's, what, that's kind of what I'm talking about when you walk into a room. You know, you walk into a group that's been together. And you kind of get a bad feeling about it. It's hard to put your finger on, but you, you kind of sense there's something there. We humans, we give off when we're open and we're warm and, and friendly and when we feel safe with each other or if we're unhappy and we've got feuds and grievances underneath. You know, you can feel it even if you can never say it, even, even if they never say it. It's the spirit of the room and the spirit of the room can get ugly. Now, I don't think anyone would say I am against humility, gentleness, patience, and love. I'm against them. They're bad. Okay, Nietzsche would say that. That's kind of a philosopher joke. He would say that, but, you know, let's not listen to him. Right? Nobody would say that. But if we all would say, okay, those are good things, why is it so hard to get a community that lives those things? And... I think the reason is when you look at what the opposite of these, the, these four traits are, you see a bit of a pattern. So, I'm going to give you a graphic. Look at this. I used typing to make it. Very proud of myself. No colored marker. Don't get too used to it. 
What is the opposite of humility? Bragging. Pride. How about gentleness? Right? Remember what the kids hear. Harshness, callousness, cold-heartedness. And what's the opposite of patience? Impatience, short temper. Bearing in love. I love that bearing in love. It's not just love, it's bearing in love, right? We can love anybody for a minute. Can you love them when you're can you love them when they irritate you? You know? That's like the standard wedding speech. You can love anybody at the altar. Can you love them when they leave their towels on the floor and come home late from work? Can you love them when they didn't do the dishes the right way, but stacked the dishwasher the wrong way after you told them the right way to stack it? Can you bear with one another in love? I love that. But you look at the, the, these two columns. The things in the right column, they're easy to do. When you think about it, they're easy to do. They all preserve my, they preserve my ego and my pride and my sense of self. You know? I'm not wrong, I'm not bad, I'm not giving up, I'm not waiting for him, I'm not letting them get away with it. Pride, 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 right? Things on the right, they're easy, they're quick to go to, and they have this amazing ability, if you've ever noticed this in yourself, they have this amazing ability to overpower the things on the left when they, when the th they get into our hearts. I mean, honestly, what's harder to be, patient or impatient? When was the last time you had to train your kids? You know, Billy, I need you to eat that cookie right away, not wait. Right? I need you to open that Christmas present now. I'm sick of these kids who can't wait, to, can't wait till December 24th. Right? When was the last time you had to teach that lesson? Or, 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 or you know, or being angry or loving, right? When, is it, when has it ever been easier to be loving? Or gentle or calloused? You know, the things on the right, they, they almost have like a kill switch power on them. You know, they overwhelm the spirit on the left, and they overpower them, and they almost shut them off. They always win the power battle, because that's what they do. They give us a feeling of power in a moment of battle, and that, build, that, that gives us that sense that builds up our pride and our ego. But humility, gentleness, patience, bearing in love. They're not about power or the ego or the self. They're about what's good for the other person. They're about giving up for others. The things on the right, when you get caught up in them, it's almost like you're possessed, right? You know, you're raging mad. And we'll say, I lost it. I was really mad I lost it. Right? You weren't yourself. You did and said things that you would not have said had you been calmer and thinking about it. But in the moment, it gives you that feeling of power. You know, when, when the world seems out of control and the group seems out of control and the family seems out of control, it gives you that sense of power. The things on the left, they're not about control. So if we want to live in community as a church, as families, as, as workplaces, we need to change the spirits of our hearts from the things on the, on the left column, things on the right column, to the things in the left column. And the way we do that, the way Paul talks about in the scripture, the way that Jesus did it, was to take on a different spirit than the spirit of ego and anger 
and embrace the Holy Spirit. To sit back and calm down. To breathe. To rest in God's presence for a little bit. When you're ticked off, don't let yourself get possessed by an angry spirit, but let yourself be soothed by the Holy Spirit. And if we all do that, if we try to make that the norm, we will act in a way that builds each other up, that reduces fights, that reduces hard feelings. It will help mitigate and prevent conflicts. It will make us happier and more loving with each other. It will help us to create the vibe, the vibe that we all strive for and want. And then a new spirit will come and take over the room, and that is the Holy Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit. Amen.